everyone. Welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. And I'm back in Melbourne this week, which is so fun. Welcome back, Jess. We missed you. I know. Yeah, I had a great time in China. And actually, not sure if you guys saw, but we did launch a bit of a younger podcast episode wrap up that we recorded on Thursday. So if you haven't checked that out already, we give a full recap on all our favorite bits of the episode. We debate being Team Charles versus Team Josh. And we give our predictions on what might be coming up. So if you haven't checked that out already and you are a younger fan, once you've watched season six, episode one, go back and listen to last Thursday's episode and let us know if you like it. This week, we're just really ramping up for the sneaker launch. So we've got the tube sneaker launching. People are going nuts for it on socials, which is awesome. And next Thursday, that's the 27th of June, we're going to be having a launch party at David Jones Chadston. So if you're around, we would absolutely love to see you there. We've got a bit of a Facebook event going, so we'll be sure to put that link in the show notes for you. And coming up today, we have a really cool and slightly different episode for you. Um, When we've been doing these in-conversation eps, we've been asking for feedback on what people would love to hear us speak about. And a lot of you have said you would love to hear more about digital marketing. So through our footwear label tubes, we do a lot of digital marketing, mainly Facebook and Instagram ads. And actually a few years ago, I was doing it all um, myself, but just not very well. Um, And then we found this incredible digital marketing agency called Megaphone. This is not an ad for Megaphone, but we do have the amazing Kirsty and Lauren in today to talk us through digital marketing, how to do it, what it is, and all those awesome things in really, really basic terms. Yeah. So digital marketing can get quite complicated, but Kirsty is our account manager. Lauren is a CEO of Megaphone. So they're both super, super versed in kind of dumbing it down for people like us who just don't know that many technical terms about digital marketing. So they run us through what it even is because, you know, some people aren't really sure. They talk us through how to convert people who have never heard of your brand into amazing long-term customers. And we also talk about how we grew our database from literally barely anything to 11,500 people in eight weeks and how you can do that too. Amazing. Um, So I suggest taking notes on this one because there are so many good bits in there. Stick around to the end to find out who's on next week. And also we will answer somebody's question. Enjoy. So you said you're doing Sam Woods. Yes. Can you tell us about that? What are you doing for Sam Woods? It's like, do you the know who Sam Woods or is? something? It's like the oh. bachelor. He, um, the one who's married to, oh, married to S- Schnizana. I don't know how to say the name. Schniz. I've just like seen it on Instagram. Yeah. And he does like a, it's kind of like Kayla, like body workout thing, but his is like less intense because I tried to do hers and like my knees like gave out and like I couldn't do it. It was too We've crazy. Okay for a while. Yeah, but it was like. Hers was too crazy and his is more just like really normal and like you do 28 minute workouts every day. Okay. And you also have like a food plan, but he does normal things like instead of needing weird weights and gym equipment, he's like, all right, now sit on the edge of the couch and do this. Ah, so that's he's good. like really relatable. Which yeah. Is nice. So did you do it together, Lauren? Were you just saying? We did Kayla to start with together. 
Um, and then it just got to the point where we're like, no more. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, you were better than me, though. I always thought that I was going to like throw up, and I'd just like stop and watch <laughs> you like running around. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm not not doing anything at the moment. <laughs> awesome. So we'd love you guys to run us through your backgrounds a little bit and like how you both ended up in digital marketing. Mm-hmm. I can start. Go for it. Um, so studied industrial design and marketing at university. So always wanted the creative side with the more digital uh, advertising side as well. And then after university, moved to New York for a year and worked at a digital agency over there. Kind of got a taste for the that sort of life. Um, and then moved back to Melbourne. Well, we actually moved to Melbourne from New Zealand originally. Um, and yeah, then found the job at Megaphone Marketing. Um, and have been there for four years really immersed in the whole um, advertising scene. So yeah, it's been a great journey. Awesome. What about you, Cassie? Um, I actually predominantly came from a retail background. So I was always in sales, but more kind of like brick and mortar face-to-face and fashion. And I got to the point where I was more interested in the digital side of that business than I was in working retail and sales on the floor kind of side. And then I moved overseas with my partner to Berlin and actually worked for a company while he was studying over there, just doing like community engagement and content creation and kind of getting my foot in the door that way. And then when we came back to Melbourne, um, yeah, I knew Loz and she told me about how great Megaphone was and I started working there just over two years ago and um, yeah, I've just, I'm so interested in mainly like e-commerce is kind of like what I specialize in and fashion businesses as well. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where I started. Was it only just over two years ago? Cause how long have we been working together? Like two years now, almost two yeah, years. Under so you, that, yeah. Oh, how funny. So yeah. You just started when we yeah, started working Yeah, from the start of the year, I think. And then our work anniversary is like October? Oh, October? I don't know. It's so Something. romantic that you know that. <laughs> I love that. Because we're obviously your favorite clients. So you like, obviously are. you know that. Oh, I don't want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> to this. Sorry, everybody else listening. So we'd love to break down, I guess, what actually is digital marketing for the people out there who don't really know. I mean, like I definitely didn't know what that was when we first started on this journey. Can you guys like explain to us like what actually it is? Yeah, sure. Um, So digital marketing is all of the, I guess, marketing that you can do online. So a lot of that would be your Facebook and Instagram advertising, which would probably be the most common. Um, But bigger than that, we've got, you know, LinkedIn, you've got Pinterest. Um, On the other side of it, we've got the Google platform. So running things like Google search ads. So that's when you're typing something into Google. Um, And then you can make sure that your ad is going to appear at the top. So you've got a higher chance of someone clicking through. Uh, Google shopping ads what yeah, else even just it, the things that like you do for your own brand like your website and how how easily it is to use it and sending out you know emails to your subscribers and educating them on your brand like that's all part of digital marketing as well yeah well as- totally so we kind of like like to describe it like social media is now more of like a magazine and somewhere like you know if you're engaging influencers and doing stuff on social media it's more about like PR it's not really generating sales and then like the digital marketing side is where you actually drive your sales mm-hmm. yeah. and you, you pay money to promote your advertisements across those platforms as well totally so we'd love you to just take us through it like how do people run their own ads because you know when we met you guys we were running our own ads, um, or I was, and I was doing a really poor job of it, which I didn't <laughs> even know until I met you. Um, but yeah, I think you were doing a good job. You were just spending a lot of money. 
A lot of money. And like <laughs> before, before we started that, we honestly like didn't even know how to use these platforms. We didn't know where to begin. And actually before we met with you guys, someone had like sat us down and run us through like the basics. So we, we'd love you guys because you obviously have a way better understanding than we do. Mm-hmm. We'd love you to kind of run us through the basics of like what it actually looks like to run ads. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one of the most important things that people don't do is like when they have a website or they're you know engaging with people online they're not actually using like what's available to them to be able to re-engage that audience or they're not collecting data um which sort of sounds really boring um when you talk about data and pixels and things like that but basically if you've got people that are engaging with you on your instagram or your facebook or they're coming to your website the first step is really to be able to capture that audience and retarget them with things so you know who's interested in your brand and um, you can advertise to them in the future as opposed to just sort of blindly running ads and you know it's like dropping like something in the ocean and hoping that somebody finds it yeah I think that's what exactly what we were doing in the beginning that we just kind of thought like oh we're going to put ads out there and like the second someone sees it they're just going to buy and Mm -hmm. like that's going to be it and what we like learn through you is like oh no someone actually needs to see your shoes like I don't know what it is like five times or something on average before they go and click through to the website and actually buy it yeah yeah exactly um and so I think we say usually six touch points so you want to be engaging people with your brand and so you want to have when you're reaching cold audiences, which is what we would call an audience that has not engaged with your brand before. Um, so at that level, you'd want to be really sort of explaining what the brand is um, and how it may relate to them in their circumstance. Um, and then from there, you want to be sending them lots of other ads. So like Kirsty was mentioning, being able to capture that audience at the beginning and then being able to send them more ads. So then you do need the data, like the pixel set up to be able to track all of that. Um, and then making sure that you're, you're sending different messages to your um, audience as well. So, you know, if you're engaging them at the top and then maybe you want to show them some more benefits and then down the bottom, you kind of want to tell them that they need to purchase as well. So, so when you guys say top, you mean those are the people that just like have never, ever heard. So let's say tubes, for example, there's someone walking down the street, they're on their phone. They've absolutely never heard of tubes before. Yeah. And at the top of the funnel, as we like to say, yeah. um, that means like that's that person's at the top and they'll get an ad. And what might that ad look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that ad, you might say, you know, introducing tubes and then you might give an, you know, have a carousel of all the, the shoes that you're um, in your current collection you might put some benefits, you might let them know what it's made from, you might let them know that it's vegan so that could appeal to the audience that you're targeting. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you get as much of that in that first ad as possible and then once they're already introduced to the brand and they know about it, then you can sort of be more direct in your um, copy and sort of be telling people to visit the website shop now. Yeah. So how, when we talk about audiences and, you know, like accessing vegan people, for example, would be like one of our top ones. Like, how do you go about doing that? And like, how do you, how would someone know what their audience should look like and who they should be accessing? So I guess to start with, you'd want to do sort of an assessment on your own brand. So look through your customers, who has been purchasing, what age are they? Um, So with Facebook as well, they actually have all that data. You can look on your Facebook page. Um, and anyone can do this, Um, and you can see what age range people are in. Are they male, are they female? Probably mostly female for you guys. Um, And then you can also see, you know, other information in there. 
Um, you can see if people like in a relationship. You can even see the other pages that people like. So a lot of people that like you guys might also like a certain train of restaurants or they also might be really interested in Melbourne Fashion Week and, and it gives you sort of ideas of broader audiences that you can target with ads that might be interested in tubes too. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Like when you go on someone's Facebook page and it just has like all the other pages that they've liked. Yeah, exactly. So you can get that um, data, which is really helpful to be able to run ads to those, we're calling them cold audiences or top of the funnel, just people who have no idea what tubes is. I love that. I love like how sneaky it is as like a <laughs> consumer. Like you're like, like, I often will meet people and they're like, oh, your shoe brand just like bombards me all the time. (laughs) Like on Instagram and in my head, I'm like, ha, ha, ha. It's because like you perfectly fit our audience. But like, yeah, as like someone who's actually running the ads, that stuff is so helpful that you're able to like access exactly who you want to. Definitely. And even things like, you know, being able to target like your fans on Facebook, then you can also target friends of people who are fans of your Facebook. So the chances that, you know, I like something that my best friend is also going to like are really high. Um, And the benefit of that as well is that when the ad pops up, it'll say, you know, Kirsten likes this as well. So it's like immediate trust. Yeah. yeah. Trust like, oh, my friend likes that. So maybe I'll check that out as well. So Uh. it's a really valuable um, tool there as well. Yeah. What about, um, we want to talk about like email lists because you guys have totally helped us grow ours, but um, can you target your email list if you have an existing one can you target them through facebook ads yeah absolutely and they're generally one of the best converting audiences for businesses too because you've built up this they're really engaged it's not like they've just clicked onto your facebook or they haven't just followed your instagram you know they've gone to your website they've given you their name and their contact details and and sort of signed up so they're really interested in and in, in the brand and invested so they're a really great audience and then on top of the um the custom audience that you can upload so if you upload 10 thousand email addresses you can also create what facebook calls a lookalike audience of that i was literally just gonna ask about (laughs) that because i remember that from when i used to run our ads and i was gonna say is that actually a good thing to do no it's really great and so the bigger the audience um, of your email list the better you can actually get that lookalike audience Um, so it'll look at all the traits that your particular audience list has like what age are they what are their interests on facebook what pages do they like And then from there, it'll curate another list that is very similar and has those similar traits. So, you know, if they're really interested in, you know, Fashion Week, they're vegan and they're between 18 and 27. You know, it'll create an audience of people that are, you know, highly likely to also like your brand. Um, But you can also do that with, with any type of audience. So with that pixel that we were talking about before, which is very important, I would say, if you are starting a brand, get that pixel on your website as soon as possible. Um, Facebook makes it really straightforward. They've got instructions. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, uh, you can also track things like everyone that's purchased, and then you can create a lookalike audience of everyone that's purchased. And so that is incredibly valuable because you're, you know, you're you're targeting people that are actually willing to spend money on your brand. Um, Yeah, and so there's, you can target Facebook page engagement, Instagram engagement as well, and create the lookalikes there. So very so valuable tools. What actually is that pixel when you say that like Facebook will give it to you? Like where do you go to find that? And like where, do, how do you put it on is your Is it website? a physical pixel? Can I touch it? Like, <laughs> like what is, is it in the really, cloud? That, like understanding what a pixel was, I think when I first started becoming interested in, in digital marketing, marketing was like, I don't get it. What is it? Um, but it's basically like a little tiny piece of code that you put on your website. And when somebody lands on it or engages with you, it's like puts a little hat on that person and then follow, you know, 
can follow them around and sort of follow their engagement, if that makes sense. So you yeah. can see all these little people running around with hats on and you're like, oh, they're my people. <laughs> <laughs> or twos. Yeah, in twos. twos. Sorry, them, I should right? have said twos. Um, yeah, I remember when I was first running our digital marketing, I had no idea what this <laughs> stupid pixel was. And I, it's it's meant to be straightforward. Like Facebook does tell you how to do it, but somehow in our code, of course, it wasn't working. And I was mm-hmm. like on the phone to Shopify and trying to get on the phone to Facebook and I think eventually we did get it to work and basically how I understood it was it just sets up like Google Analytics but for your Facebook ads yeah totally yeah very similar and Shopify actually makes it really easy now you don't even have to install the actual physical code it's just like a 12 digit number now just pop that in a little form that they put there for you so Shopify and WordPress is also very easy to do that that pixel yeah and it can can sound kind of scary like oh that's just too hard like I you know I'm not technical I don't know how to do that um but every almost every software that people would use whether it's like Shopify or Facebook or whatever have really great support um contacts so you can just jump in a chat with like Facebook support and be like look I'm trying to set up my pixel can you literally talk me through it step by step where do I find it how do I do it and Mm -hmm. they'll help you out Well, I guess like with the pixel, like the whole point in digital marketing is that like it's so trackable and you want to be able to like analyze and like alter what you're doing and constantly be like iterating. And like, you know, when when I did a PR degree, they said to us, there's no point in running a PR campaign and then not kind of tracking it and assessing like the success of it and I guess that's why you know why go in blind and just run ads blindly when you can have all this data and hopefully today you guys are going to help us understand how we can like utilize that data Mm -hmm. to make more sales yeah I think one of the the main things that everyone should be familiar with is when you've been on a website and you've been browsing through lots of things and then you you know open your phone look at Facebook and then all of those those last eight items that you just looked at are all sitting there on Facebook in a nice carousel for you. And so the pixel enables you to do that. And so that's the add to cart um, pixel. So on the page that uh, where someone would add to cart, view their cart, there's just another one of those little codes there. So like Kirsty was saying, pop a little pair of tubes on them. <laughs> um, and then from there, you'll be able to retarget them on Facebook, Instagram, and just show them the exact products. And that's always one of the highest converting campaigns we run. So, yeah, yeah. It's just put on a pixel. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, there's just no real way. It's just silly to go in blind because you don't know where you're just bleeding money and, you know, you don't know how to make your campaigns better or more interesting for your audience if you, if you can't track, you know, totally. how well yeah. things are going. So with the audiences that we were saying that you, like, identify your audiences, can we just, like, chat about what would that look like for Tubes? Yeah, yeah. good idea. So, well, we, we like to target people within Australia um definitely female vegan vegan's a good one vegan um interested in fashion and then maybe we'd like can you like list some other brands that they would be interested in yeah um so people who are interested in gorman yeah yeah. um yeah yeah, we had like i've used like would be a good one as yeah some beast i've used things like even like sports girl Mm -hmm. and glassons crossed with people who have an interest in veganism yeah um, and things like that too oh so you can get fancy with it and you cannot just do one audience but it's like the people that are crossover with two interests yeah you can sort of narrow it right down if you want so you can start off with you know um, everybody women in australia which is millions of people and then you can narrow that down by age between you know 17 and 30 and then you can narrow that down by who's also interested in sports girl who's also an engaged online shopper who also loves shoes who also is a vegan and so could you do you also do things like 
like what TV are they interested in or like yeah. what music they like to listen to? Like, does it get really broad? Like you're creating this kind of like lifestyle that you imagine that our customer would have. Yeah, exactly. So it's why it's really important for brands to understand who the people they're trying to target is. So again, for you guys, we could target people who watch The Bold Type or who love Younger. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know. We also love Game of Thrones, but I just don't feel like that intersects with <laughs> yeah. any of our customers. <laughs> oh, maybe the winter collection. True. Um, this is totally taking me back to like when I used to run our ads as you're talking about this because one question I remember I always had that I just like never knew was how big should each audience that you're creating be it's a good question because like I would like narrow it down so fine and I would like put in so many interests and then I'd end up with like 150 people and then be like this feels small (laughs) yeah so Facebook will penalize you I think if your audience is under 100,000 oh yeah then it makes it more expensive as well right Mm. and so (laughs) so glad you deal with this now (laughs) Facebook will assume that if your audience is super small and super targeted that they're super valuable um, so therefore mm. it'll charge you more to show you the, to show them the ads. So you kind of want to have an audience that is big enough so that also Facebook is very intelligent. Facebook can actually uh, you know show your ads to the people that they think will be most likely to click through or to purchase. And so it's also good to give Facebook a little bit of room in those audiences um, to be able to send the ads to the right people. So, there's, there's no right or wrong answer as to how, how big the audience should be, but I would say, you know, about 100,000 is a good size. So if I was setting up a campaign, just say I was running six um, advertising audiences, I might do a, a 50,000, 400,000 ones, um, and then a, a 500,000. So you've got different sizes, so you can test a few different things, but you've got, I guess you've limited down the targeting enough, um, so it's very relevant to the audiences, but you've still got that room for movement for Facebook to show them to the best people within that um, demographic. Okay, that's good to know as well because I feel like just like on the surface as like someone who like views Facebook as like a big scary business, <laughs> I would just like assume that they want the worst for you and be like, oh, they're not on my team. Like I don't trust them. So that's cool to know that like you actually can trust them that they want you to get the most out of your ads. Yeah, you kind of want to guide them in the right direction and then sort of let them work with it from there. Um, But realistically, the better your ads perform on Facebook, the more you're going to want to spend on Facebook and then Facebook wins. So yeah, I guess to give like a bit of context to the kind of audiences that we're talking about, you can refer to them as skimmers, swimmers and divers. So skimmers are just people who, yeah, are right on the top of the surface. They don't really know anything and they're just kind of like skimming around. Um, people who are swimming have are pulled like further down to sort of know more about your brand. They're wanting to know a little bit more information. They're a bit interested. And then divers are like, they're going right down, like they're ready to buy some tubes. Um, we and, like the divers. Yeah. We're really into them. <laughs> we love the divers. Yeah. But I say that each level is very important because without having the skimmers, you wouldn't have the divers because that's where they start mm, that journey. Definitely. And I think that like the kind of copy and imagery that you need to get somebody who's skimming to you know, stop scrolling and engage with you or engage with an ad is very different to what kind of copy and imagery you need to use to get a diver to purchase. Mm-hmm. So you're wanting different things from them at different stages. Um, skimmers you kind of want them to click on an ad or or go to the website um whereas divers you want them to buy a pair of shoes um so i think you know at the very top level you're wanting to talk about the best features and benefits 
of tubes and, and what what the point of difference of you guys is so you know talking about the fact that you're vegan talking about the fact that they're australian designed um you know talking about the fact that they're really comfy um and also just showing people great beautiful imagery of all the different styles and and how amazing they are and then in the middle of the funnel that's where you can kind of increase trust with your brand to somebody who's maybe seen it once before but you know show people more imagery of others wearing your shoes like you users wearing your shoes um showing somebody a really positive review if somebody else has left copy saying I love my tube so much are the best shoes I've ever worn so someone else can be like oh people are loving these like maybe I should really think about investing and then at the diver level that's where you want to really be pushing people over the edge with either like a sale or a discount code or the fact that there's easy returns or you you know um, have afterpay available just making it as easy as possible for them to commit to purchase. Okay, cool. And like, is this something that you would advise everyone to do? Because like, as I was thinking about it, like in terms of our shoes, like 100%, that's like how we've seen people purchasing from us. But like, what if I just had like, what if I was trying to sell like a $15 lip gloss or like something like that? You know, is this, can this be applied to everyone's business or is it quite specific? I would say that with a $15 item, you would have a shorter funnel. Um, So you wouldn't be wanting to, I guess, invest as much money by targeting them at each stage so you may you may have more of a a top sort of engaging everyone and then sort of a a bottom um, pushing them to purchase so really just maybe two of those not as much of that middle thing because also when you've got a $15 product there's not as much uh, I guess barrier to purchase because it is of a lower price point Mm -hmm. so you don't need to be providing as much trust you might include that trust in the bottom ad the bottom of the what are they? Divers. Divers. <laughs> the Bottom divers. Of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say it would be a, a smaller funnel if your product has a lower price point. Okay, cool. And then, like, in terms of dollars as well, like, if they're just starting out, like, how much should they kind of, like, be looking to spend? Any uh, ideas? It's, depending on the price of the product, depending on the profit margins of the product, it would all be quite different. Um, I'd say you'd want to sort of, you know, give it a good go. Yeah, it's um, like that old, it's going to spend money to make money yeah, kind of totally. thing, but it's true. So then is it more like less about a specific dollar value, but more about like your cost per acquisition? So like how much you're spending to then like get a customer to buy? Look at you using digital marketing terms. No, cost per acquisition, I love I it. <laughs> um, but I think with, you know, if you have a $200 item that you're trying to, to sell, you're going to have to spend, you know, over a thousand dollars to sort of target different audiences and then try and get those purchases because really that's only five times the amount of the price of the product. Um, whereas if you've got a ten dollar product, then you're going to have to spend a lot less to test it to see if it's going to work for you. Um, I'd also say that throughout the first month of of any advertising campaign, that is when you're experimenting, you're testing. You're going to have to put in a little bit of budget and be prepared that you know some of them won't work. So, you know, you need to be testing different audiences, different imagery, different types of ads um, before you can actually determine whether it is working or isn't working. Totally. And I wanted to talk to you guys about this testing because like when I go into our back end, I just see like I'll click into one ad and then I find like 100 ads within that one ad and then like 100 audiences within it. So like I'd love you to kind of walk us through that. What are you doing there? Why do you have so many ads running? I know there's <laughs> something going on there. And, you know, Kirsty, you'll say like I turned this one off because it wasn't working. How closely are you monitoring it? I want to – I just generally am curious how this yeah, all works. Definitely. And the, and I guess one of the 
firstly, to understand all of that, um, it's good to point out that you can optimize different campaigns for different things. So like I was saying before, in the back end of Facebook, you know, the, the skimmers, like you want to be sending them to the website. So you'd be showing them campaigns that were optimized for um, website views and at the at the bottom with the divers you'd be showing them campaigns that were optimized for purchases um, mm-hmm. and you can track all of that so looking at you know what your cost per click is and things like that um, is really important compared to what your cost per purchase is so within each campaign you're monitoring a different optimization um, and so is that Facebook going, okay, I understand that you want to optimize for purchases, so I'm going to show this ad to people that are more likely to purchase? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. And um, so I'd say when you're starting out, though, if you've, you haven't run any ads before, haven't got any purchases through Facebook ads, you would want to start out for landing page views, which is like a click. The reason we use landing page views is just because it means that the landing page on the website is actually loaded, um, which is better to track than just to click through an ad. So when you don't have any data on that pixel yet, you just want to target for landing page views. And as soon as you start seeing those purchases coming in, you can change it to um, a purchasing organization. Yeah. I think that's a, like, a mistake that you see people make is they straight away optimize things for purchases. Guilty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you've never had any purchases come through your pixel, Facebook doesn't know what it's optimizing for. You're asking it to do something it's never done before and it has no data or information to use to be able to get more. Yeah, sense. I remember when we like initially signed up with you guys, it was like right in the lead up to summer and we were just like, go, go, go. Like, we just want to do it all, like spend it all. Do you remember this? Yeah, and yeah. then Cassie, you like, no, it doesn't really <laughs> work like that. Like, we just need to start slow and steady and like start to collect some data. And we we're like, no, like go, go, go. But yeah, I totally understand why that makes more sense. So yeah. being patient is definitely a part of it at the beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're building those audiences to be able to, to utilize down the track. So, you know, the people that you're pulling in to, and driving to your website in, in the first month are people that, you know, will be educated like throughout the coming weeks and maybe they'll sign up to your email list and then you can send them some emails. And then three months later, they might buy a pair of shoes and then, you know, they're a lifetime customer. Cool. Okay. So run us through this. What are all these ads that you are running and testing and all of that stuff? It's honestly like... There's so many that you can do and, and it is it can be a little bit daunting at the beginning to figure out like, okay, how what am I going to start with? Um, I think you guys have really great imagery and campaign imagery, so it's great and really easy to be able to make beautiful looking ads with that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries, um, but that's also something that for us, like we weren't doing in the beginning mm-hmm. when we started Tubes, like we were just like, oh, let's just shoot them on a white wall. Mm-hmm. It's not about the imagery. It'll, the product will sell itself. And then what we learned was that like, you know, you've got to tell a brand story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's what you're doing to those, what are they? Um, skimmers. Um, is you're telling your brand story. And the best way to do that is through imagery and through like, you know, showing them what the lifestyle looks like, not just this is a product. Because that's not really how people's brains work. Yeah, 100%. And if you take if you take Instagram as an example, when someone's on Instagram, they're scrolling through, they're seeing a lot of images of their friends, they're seeing some, you know, fashion items and everything. If you go and chuck in a white background shoe image, it's sort of going to disrupt their feed. Um, so if you want to use something like an, an influencer image on Instagram, you're sort of showing your audience what they expect to be seeing on Instagram and the style that they're expecting to see it in. Mm. So sort of using the content on the platforms the way that the platform should be used. Mm -hmm. 
And then if you've got more people organically engaging in your posts or your ad as well, then Instagram's going to reward you. Instagram or Facebook is going to reward you for all of that great um, engagement. And then they're going to show your post to more people. So you really want to be sort of aware of the platform that you're advertising on and aware of the imagery and the copy that you're using on that platform. Yeah, I think campaign imagery is something that a lot of people don't think about or just getting really good imagery of their product and, and then also getting good campaign imagery to start off with. It's it's hard to make really good engaging ad ads without it. Yeah, totally. And like in terms of campaign imagery, I feel like we've def we've spoken about this before on the podcast, but like it sounds daunting and expensive, but in reality, like if you just have a couple of like pieces of um like colored paper and like you're just taking like really clean imagery with like a student photographer or something like that that you find on um Melbourne Creative Network if you're mm-hmm. based in Melbourne or other Facebook pages like that's such a great way to get good photos and not have to spend a lot of money but it's just it's more about investing like the time I guess in it and it really is valuable yeah and also like we've we come up with like all the mood boards uh, for our campaigns with Pinterest like Pinterest is such an awesome tool for that that you know you can like find such creative ideas and pull different things together and if you don't if it kind of feels a bit daunting like what is my style what do I want Mm -hmm. that's just like a really easy way to like get into it yeah exactly and I think it's just really important for for people who are running businesses or thinking about doing advertising to really understand you know what they want and and the message that they want to convey because if they don't understand it how's a consumer going to understand it yeah 100 percent what about video? Like, I know we've been talking a lot about imagery, mm-hmm. um, but everyone loves to talk about video now. Is that really important with like Facebook ads and stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, sort of at the same time as you're doing a campaign shoot, you can just take a bit of video content. Or I know with you guys, I was like, hey, can you just take some video content of, or boomerangs of you guys in these shoes or, and send them to me? I'll make Instagram story ads out of them and things like that. So, And we just literally shot those on our phone. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, everybody's got, well you know a lot of people have iphone 10s and all these amazing cameras just in their pocket and so like you said it doesn't have to be this big scary expensive thing like if you need a piece of content or you find that there's a gap in some imagery that you don't have like you can even just go out and take it yourself um and yeah video is really really engaging with things like yeah instagram stories and even facebook stories now um a lot of people it's so much more easy to consume um and you know there's things like autoplay when you're scrolling through your facebook and a a video just starts to play automatically and it draws you in and it's really engaging that way Mm. um and then you know you could have a button below that video that takes somebody to your website so if that's the first thing that they're seeing it's a really quick way a 30 second video to give them a, a great overview of a brand um and showcase a lot of different products you know for you guys specifically and on top of it being visually appealing to see a video um facebook also rewards you for video content so they would like people to be using video it's more engaging um so if you are using that you will get your ad seen more ah oh, cool that's so good to know mm. so once you're running like different ads are you running them to like a lot of different audiences at once is that why you have all those tests going yeah, so I'd say typically in a campaign, for example, just say we're running um, an Instagram story campaign for tubes and we've got, you know, we've picked four audiences that we want to run that to. And then in each of those four audiences, we want to test different ads. And so we might, you might have a, a boomerang as one of the ads and you might have a static image as another ad. So you've got your campaign and then you've got your audience that you're targeting that to. And then within that audience, you want to test two different ads 
to see which is going to perform best for their audience. And then once we've decided, you know, Kirsty will say, great, this, this ad's been working best, we'll turn one of them off and then we can generate another ad and then test the new ad versus the most successful out of the last two ads. Mm. And then you want to do that for each audience because each audience might respond differently to a different type of ad. And so you might have different age groups or different uh, demographics within that. And so one might resonate well to that boomerang, one might resonate well to the static image. And so you want to be testing different types of ads to each of your different types of audiences to make sure that you're testing and, and showing them the content they want to receive. And so how long are you testing before you'll turn off an ad and be like, okay, this is the winner? I'd say it's more dependent on budget. So if you've got a dollar a day in your campaign, you might need you know, a couple of weeks. If you've got $5 in a day in your campaign, you might need, uh, you know, five days. So should, um, you know, if I decide that if I'm selling like a $100 product, um, I don't want to go and spend $100 on one ad. I want to like split it up into like little amounts like that before I like ramp up my spending. Is that how it works? Yeah. So if you've got that $100 budget that you want to run for that Instagram campaign, you'd split that $100 budget between your different audiences so you you'd have $25 in each of those um, and then that would be depending if you're running a total budget or a daily budget but that would be the amount that you spend on that audience and so first of all we'd optimize at the ads so we'd decide whether that boomerang or the static image was working the best and then once we've got the top performing in each audience then we'd go back and t- decide which audience is performing the best um, and so then you might only end up running two audiences with your top performing ads. And then up, ramp up the budget on those couple that you're exactly. left with. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, Instagram stories and also Facebook stories before, which I thought was funny because I didn't think anyone used that. Um, but so like, do they work like Instagram stories and Facebook stories? Do you see like good things come from that? Because I love to shop from Insta stories. Yeah. Um, and Instagram is kind of consistently improving the functionality to make it more possible possible to be able to do that so being able to you know tag products um I think is an upcoming thing that you can shop straight from stories um and yeah they're just really engaging and people I sit through and watch like every single person basically who I follow on Instagram stories almost even if I'm not even interested in them and I'm like oh well, I'll just keep watching because something interesting might happen on the next one and yeah, I'm like what totally. am I doing I sometimes um, feel guilty if I haven't like watched through the end of someone so yeah. I keep until I get to the end of theirs and then it goes to the next one I'm like now I have to get to the end of theirs and it's almost like a like a mission that you have to complete I'm like I have to get to the end of the whole <laughs> thing and it's like it is one of the ways now because of like that way the algorithm algorithms work on Instagram now you know you're not seeing you know all the posts of all the people that you follow all the brands that you follow come up organically in your feed but Insta stories runs you through so an ad like that's put in somebody's Instagram stories made to fit in and make them feel comfortable about like you know consuming that ad basically um it's a it's a way to get people when they are really engaged so they're willing to sort of sit there and watch and and tap through Mm. um Facebook stories is obviously newer um but I I feel like it's going to be that same thing like when when everyone was obsessed with Snapchat and then Insta Stories started and people were like, no, I'm not going to use Insta Stories. Like it's all about Snapchat. And then everybody migrated over and I do feel like, you know, Facebook Stories is relatively new, but we will see like, you know, that come up and people really start to, to use that as well. And the benefit of that is also that, you know, not a lot of people are using it. So if your brand's running that Instagram Story ad, it's going to appear at the top of someone's Facebook page. And so it's a, it's an easy way to just simply test the difference between yeah. um, 
Facebook stories and Instagram stories. As and well. it could be that it's, you know, really effective for a service based business, whereas Instagram's really effective for e commerce like fashion style businesses. So it's just yeah, have to test. And so just to clarify, when I'm running things on Instagram or I'm running things on Facebook, you do this all through the same platform, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All through yeah. Facebook. Yeah, cool. Um, so when we first started out with you guys, um, we I think you guys were like, Oh, how many people do you have on your emails database it must be huge you have so many followers on instagram and we're like on our what <laughs> like i think we'd incidentally like grown a couple of thousand um email subscribers over the years mm-hmm. but we weren't really doing anything with it well and also because you think about it and like as a consumer like i receive so many emails in my inbox a day and like i don't like promotional emails i don't open any of them so like i just assume that that wasn't really an effective way of getting sales so is it an effective way of getting sales Yes, yeah, so it's definitely an effective way of getting sales. Um, so you'll have, you know, there's obviously a lot of brands that just come into my inbox and I don't engage with them. But then there are also those ones that I will always open. Um, Same. Yeah. yeah. I always <laughs> open fairly because I know it's you, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> Love fairly. And also you can sort of, if you aren't getting your emails opened, you can try different um, subject lines. So maybe if you, you're finding that your open rates are dropping a little bit, you could use something like 25% off sale in that um, subject line, which could help improve Oh my your God, your mind reader, I'm literally about to send out that subject line. <laughs> <laughs> are we going on sale this weekend? Yeah, 25% off. Yay. 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 <laughs> Um, um, so, so yeah, so when, when we were starting with you, we were like, oh, like we don't have an email database, like how do we build one? Mm-hmm. And you did something for us that was amazing. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So we talked about wanting to run like a viral competition to grow your email list where users had to just sign up with their name and their email. And that was all that they needed to do to enter. And we talked about, you know, what we could give them and um, what we wanted to give away as a prize. And we decided that we were going to give away the entire current collection which was huge and again because you guys had really fun like imagery that popped we made these ads where it was just like 20 pairs of shoes on the page and the the big word win in the middle so there was like you couldn't miss you know what was on offer it was like yes I see all those shoes and I want to win them Um, and we ran that competition um, and again this is where what you guys had set up originally with the pixel so being able to capture all of those engaged audiences you know before you came on and started with, with me with us Um, we could retarget all of those people who already liked you on Instagram, who already liked you on Facebook, who were already going to your website but hadn't signed up to your email list before. And they're already such warm audiences for you guys and they really liked Tubes already that it was a no-brainer that they'd enter to win that competition. Um, And then alongside that, we were running ads, um, you know, with a little bit of different copy at the top saying a a bit more explanation about what Tubes were, but basically that you could win these shoes, thousands of dollars worth of shoes. Um, and who doesn't want that? So at the end of it, we ended up increasing your subscriber database by like 11,000 people. Yeah, I think we had 11,500 entries, which was so crazy. And I just did some quick math and it might be totally off, but that is an increase of 575% (laughs) (laughs) from our 2,000. But honestly, I I have no idea if that's right. But anyway, it was (laughs) 11,500, which we were just like totally blown away by. And you created this landing page really easily but through this app what's it called again viral sweep viral sweep yeah so like 
anyone can kind of go on ride and just like create their own landing yeah, pages. Yeah, the really good thing about it is it also adds this element of, of virality to any kind of competition because you can encourage um, additional social actions. So people get 10 extra, you can say people get 10 extra entries if they follow you on Instagram. They get 10 extra entries if they go to your website. And so you're creating all these different touch points for people with your brand um, just by running the same competition. And so when we talk about viral, like a competition going viral, I guess it's like because people are encouraged to share it for more entries than like they're sharing it with all of their friends and then their friends yeah. are seeing it. I mean, I even saw people friends. for that competition that we ran, like we're putting it in their own like personal Insta bios being oh like, God, enter yeah. this competition through my link. Yeah, like, it was crazy. Like when we would Google it, we would find like on random like Reddit threads and things. People <laughs> yeah. were like sharing their links so that they would get more entries if people used it to sign up. It was nuts. Yeah. And what I think is clever that you guys explained to us about building out our email database is like, you know, we always had all the people that liked us like sitting on Instagram or sitting on Snapchat or sitting on facebook but like like you mentioned just how we've seen with snapchat like we spent all this time building up this audience but then everyone left snapchat and then like that audience was dead to us because they were no longer (laughs) using the platform so like yeah like tomorrow if instagram just like ends for whatever reason or even like you know we hear of people getting hacked like at least we have that email database totally and that's a business asset that like you guys own you know totally and it also means like that's like now a free way we get to communicate with those people because every week we'll send them an email and we'll say you know this is a sale that we have on or there's a discount code or enter this new competition so it's really like a way for us to now permanently be in conversation with our audience 100% and it also is a really great way to further educate your audience on on different things that the brand is doing or different features and benefits where it's somewhere that they're ready to sort of sit down and digest like a longer piece of information than just a short Instagram or Facebook post yeah and I think with emails as well it it is different to an in like an advertising that you'll see on Facebook because you're kind of forced to see that advertisement Whereas with email, someone actually opts in to like indulge in that content. So they feel like it's on their own time. Like it's not, it's not forced. They opted in to, to open this email and read the content. So it is a little bit of a different mindset as well that you get to approach when you use email. Cool. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about emails forever because that's like a whole other thing is like, you know, optimizing your emails and writing good subjects. So if people want, maybe we can have part two another time. (laughs) You know, if people do have like a really limited amount of money, like, and they just kind of want to like, just suss it out and like, see what works, where would you recommend that they spend that money first? In terms of the skimmers, swimmers or... Just like in terms of like, okay, like I want to start advertising on Facebook and Instagram, like, and I have like, I don't know, $500 or whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. where, where's my money best spent? I would say you really need to consider because you do have, you know, a small budget, you need to consider the copy in the ad and also the imagery you're using. So I think a lot of the trap that some people fall into is, you know, oh, I've got some content on my Facebook or my Instagram. I'll just boost that out to Mm -hmm. some audiences and, and that'll work. So if you do that, you're using the caption that you've used on Instagram, which is probably not optimized for getting people to your website or converting. Um, So you want to be making sure that you're introducing people to your brand. Uh, You want to be making sure that you're putting in some benefits and then also making sure you've got a call to action in there. Mm -hmm. I think the call to action would be the most important thing. So a lot of campaigns that we've run, we've tested. If, you know, for example, if you're running a likes ad campaign, if you put the word like our page in the likes ad, you're telling people what you want them to do basically yeah and and the the cost per like is just so much it's dramatically decreased by just using that word like our page 
rather than just saying, oh, you know, we're, we're a great brand, you know, here's some benefits of us. People need to be told exactly what they should be doing with that ad. What about yeah. emojis? Do people like emojis? Yes. yes. And it's great to test. Um, I was going to mention this before when we were talking about testing different ads, but it's, it's not enough to just put at least two ads in an audience. You have to understand what the difference between them is so that you can make like an educated decision moving forward that this one worked better because you know, I used emojis and people responded to that better or this one worked better because I used really long form copy and people seem to really like that. Um, but I was going to say, when, if you don't have that big of a budget, I think the first step is, yeah, making sure that you've got those audiences set up so that you can like re- be retargeting everybody and then focus on, yeah, brand awareness and, and audience growth. So initially, you know, you'd want to be driving people to your website um, and getting them to follow your socials like Facebook and Instagram. And then once you've started to build those warm audiences or the, the swimmers and divers, then putting together like a small retargeting campaign that's optimized for purchases. So is downloading, is like getting Facebook ads ads manager and downloading the pixel is that part free yeah so like if someone just wanted to see like they could just go on today sign up get the pixel and then just like let it do its thing for a little bit and then once like the audience is built up a little bit then they could start to have a play yeah Yeah, you don't even need to sign up to anything um basically on your Facebook. facebook page yeah you can just go to the ad section in it and it already exists Um, Cool. Yeah. And for people that sort of are still a bit lost or don't know, like just Google. Honestly, if you have a WordPress site, if you have a Shopify site, if you have a Squarespace site, whatever it might be, just Google Facebook Pixel installation for X. There's a YouTube video for everything. Everything. (laughs) Totally. And on that, like, are there any other resources that you guys know of where people can go and learn more about how to do digital marketing? Absolutely. I would say one of the best things is that Facebook actually has – I guess a learning center called Facebook Blueprint. And so you can just Google that. And it actually has all of the training on there that you need to be able to run your campaign. This is not an ad for Facebook. We just genuinely (laughs) all have used it, tried and tested, proven. So we're recommending it. For sure. It's it's amazing. So you can go in there and you can learn about all the different ad types. You can learn about different um, optimizations in there. You can actually gain all of the knowledge that you need to run it. So... Some of it won't be as relevant to the specific campaigns you're running, but it's, it's very interesting if you're not familiar with it. Um, so I guess my first suggestion if you would were to start marketing would be to go through that Facebook course. Um, I know we've talked a lot about Facebook and, and Instagram. Free too. Yeah, that's free as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Google Ads has their own training course as well. And then if you want to get a little bit more into the data, um, Google Analytics also has uh, a free training course as well. So these are all things that you can just you can just access their online um, and it's a great start to any marketing campaign. So good. You guys, this has been <laughs> so awesome. I feel like even I have learned so much today. Oh, I've learned so much. And it's so nice of you guys to just come into our In Conversation episode no, and so share excited. your knowledge. We really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting us on. And yeah, thanks so much. You'll know because you've listened to our podcast episodes before that we always end on a bit of quick fires, just the funsies. <laughs> so we'd love to give you some quick fire questions if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. So the first one is, who is each of your favorite women in business? Cheryl Sandberg. I didn't even have to think about that. I know. Um, we have a painting on the wall at Megaphone of her. <laughs> I, that's like hard for me because I don't have like a favorite. I love like so many small brands. I think you guys are amazing women in business. I like Mrs. Press. Aww. I think she's really great. Like Roxy Chikenko, like you said. 
um, yeah, I think that's too hard. I can't pick one because there's so many amazing businesswomen. Okay, well, thanks, Kirsty, for figuring that. <laughs> we'll take that answer. Um, what is each of your favorite place to travel to? Mm, that's hard. Italy. I love I, the difference. I, I know she's like so you can decisive. See, like your different. I know. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, mm, can I have like ten minutes to think about it? Yeah. Um, okay, you can give us a top three, three if that's going to be easier. Okay. I really love Bali. I love Spain and South Africa. Actually, no, change my answer. South Africa. Okay. Oh, cool. cool. Mm. Safari in South Africa. Just all of it. My mum's South African. So really? Yeah. So I've got a boyfriend that? is South African. So. Oh, is he? Yeah, how funny I didn't is that? know that. Yeah, yeah, we go there like quite often. Well, quite often. I've been there like three times. But my cousins like get married over there. And no I way. Where are they it. from? They're from Johannesburg. Oh, so is Renan's family. Oh my god, that is so funny. <laughs> how weird my mum like grew up on a farm in Kenya, and then oh, Renan's dad grew up in Kenya. Okay, that's <laughs> just what's happening. <laughs> Does your mom have like a full South African accent? Oh, I can't hear it, but everybody says she does. Oh, so yeah. then uh, she's sort of like instilled in me. I say things like vitamin and everybody bags Oh my me God, for it. I give Renan so much shit Everyone's for the like, stuff it's he says. vitamin. And yeah. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> totally. It's Renan's exact What does he call traffic light again? Robot. Do you have that uh, one? No, I'm not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> a traffic light is a robot. I mean, no, Renan doesn't, but his parents do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. But so I love it weird. there. Yeah. yeah, he was saying this. Do you remember what that word was? He was saying this one word completely wrong and he was like using it in meetings and things. And I was like, that is really embarrassing. Is but it he was auction? Because I say that as no, well. No, it was way worse. How, what is it, how do you actually say it with the, when you're talking about house? That's it. I can't say it. I yeah. get the same from with my New Zealand yeah. background though. Like there's <laughs> some words that obvious, I just don't though, hear people that people I just say think I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, but you just like, yeah, you sound like you're from New Zealand. But it's weird when these people like their parents are South African. So they're like full blown Australians. And then they just say like these really weird words like robot. <laughs> Um, okay, so dream brands to work with, one each. Um, Frank Green. Mm, cool. What is that again? The like reusable the cups. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're really cool. One that's always been on my horizons would be Assembly Label. Yeah, they're great. Um, what is your favorite social media platform? Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also... In terms of like not advertising, but I love YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Have you guys heard of Depop? Is that how you say it? Yeah, the no. clothes reselling. Yeah, app. yeah. Apparently, like all these Gen Z kids. Are I signed up to it, but at it. the time, I don't think that you could do it in Australia. It was ah. like more difficult. This was like a year ago. Yeah, I think it's here now, and we're actually yeah. meeting someone from them next week oh, at cool. the trade show that we're doing. So. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it sounds I'll have cool. to fill me in. Last one, favorite office snack. You've got oh, a great bowl of Arnott oh. shapes sitting and in front of you. And I keep wanting no to pick touched. them up because then, and then I'm thinking all you'll hear is like me going, crutching <laughs> through them. Do you not snack in your office? I eat like Vegemite saladas a lot, oh, which like seems really boring. I like saladas. Um, I don't even know what, I, know what I snack on. I don't have time for snacks. <laughs> um, we have like weird snacks like that drawer filled with oats. I'm so like glad cheese. we stumped you, Lauren. Would be yeah, my, my snack would be cheese. Cheese is good. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know that they have like sweet, like I really love caramella koalas. So if yeah. I'm wanting like oh, chocolate, crunchy bars, I my, change my answer. Oh yeah, that's true. Crunchy, I'm always like, what's up with the fourth side of the crunchy that's like too hard, hard and to made bite of cement? Into? Well, yeah. Guys, did you hear the news this morning? Violet Crumble's coming back. 
That's it huge. was gone. I've never had it a violet. It was gone for like yeah. the last four years or something. Oh, I haven't noticed that it was gone. Yeah, because it's inferior to crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually think I prefer it because it doesn't it's, have that one hard weird well, side. Well, the whole thing's kind of hard. Exactly. You That's know? my problem with yeah. it. Yeah. That's oh, a different yeah. negative for me. I yeah. like the... the airy bits of it yeah oh okay then maybe you're not gonna be <laughs> such a fan of violet crumbles like dense oh have you tried crunchy ice cream oh my yes. god i was just about to say that oh yeah. like the bar yeah, yeah the bar it's like that was level. like my after school snack Same. straight to the milk and you bar you to get the massive ones and now you can only get the yeah, yeah. Size. and now i'm like well i'm gonna eat all tiny. six of them mm. it's like oh a problem. you can only get the little ones at the supermarket oh no yeah. that's terrible you guys have like the crunchy scoop ice cream here yes yeah i like that one as well also good haven't had that but have you had the bar yeah, I have. It's so delicious. Yum. It's, it's like, like next level, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. <laughs> um, oh, so if people want to hear more about you guys and Megaphone and if they are ready to, you know, take their digital marketing to the next level, where can they find you? Uh, they can find us online, uh, www.megaphonemarketing.com.au. Um, but also you can just send either of us an email. So Kirsty at megaphonemarketing.com au or lauren at megaphonemarketing.com.au we also have facebook for megaphone and instagram, instagram and all that good stuff linkedin of course we have all the social platforms <laughs> awesome. awesome cool thanks guys thank, thank you, you. <laughs> well we hope you got so much out of this episode i'm sure if you've listened all the way to the very end you just have so much incredible newfound knowledge on digital marketing. How awesome are Kirsty and Lauren? Really generous of them to come and just share all of their insights with us. And we hope you get out there and start to get on that digital marketing. If you have any further questions, hit us up. So today's question is from Jen on Insta. And she would like to know if you had to eat one meal in the whole world for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that is so hard. Um, the first thing that comes into my mind is New York. What's that restaurant called that we love? Budokan. Budokan. I was going to say Budaba. Budokan in New York, edamame dumplings. I know that's not a meal and like it, I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, I, I'm sticking with that. I would eat edamame dumplings from Budokan in New York. Okay. Mm, what would I eat? I feel like it must be in LA. Oh, I have a huge sweet too. So I know what it is. It's the Kendall Slutty Brownie from, um, what's that restaurant called? Delilah. Yes, Delilah. Yeah, from Delilah. Mm, yum. In West Hollywood. Ooh, yum. I want to get that. Um, okay, cool. Well, next week we have a really, really exciting guest. They're all exciting, but I feel like they just get more exciting every week. Um, so next week we have Naomi Simpson who you might know as founder of Red Balloon, and you also might know her as the Red Shark on Shark Tank. Have a listen to this. My husband, fabulous man that he is, my gorgeous husband Stu and I have a plan, like we have a North Star, and we look at each other each week and we say, did we move the game forward this week? Have we made the world a slightly better place because of the work that we did? So we talked to Naomi about building a business, also all about her personal brand with the wearing red, which is so cool, um, and so many other amazing things that you will hear. Have a great week. We'll see you on Thursday for another younger episode wrap up because we just had way too much fun doing it. So I think we're going to do it again. See you there. <laughs>